and welcome to Speaking Spirit, where we talk about all things spiritual. Your host, John Moore, is a shamanic practitioner and spiritual teacher. And now, here's John. Hello, everybody. As usual, I feel the urge to say good morning, although I don't know what time it is where you are. It is morning here. I like to record these things early. I don't know. I, I, um, I'm an early morning kind of person. I get a lot of energy in the morning, and um, I, like to, I like to get things done sometimes before most of the rest of the world is awake. There's a there's a clarity that happens in the morning. Um, so the world, you know, the world has an aura. We have auras. We have, you know, astral bodies and etheric bodies and all of these things. And, you know, we are, if you are sensitive and, and we're all sensitive to some degree or another, we pick up on the, you know, the quote unquote vibe around us. And, uh, so morning times uh, before for me before everybody is awake um, the vibe is cleaner um, you know there's people aren't up and busy and um, it's you know it tends to feel a little uh, calmer for me and so this is a good time for me to do these things some people are late night people I think I think my daughters fall into that category. Uh, and it's probably similar where, you know, it, it's, um, you know, the vibe gets calmer after most people are asleep and, um, you know, not going about the worries of the day and, and whatnot. So today um, it is, uh, and again, I don't know when you're listening to this, but it is June. It's the beginning of June as I record this uh, for us on the in the northern hemisphere. Um, we're coming to the end of spring uh, in a couple of weeks and into into summer. We're having certainly having some summer-ish weather here, uh, where I live in Maine, in the northeast of the United States. It tends to be. Uh, well, there's a really weird thing. Uh, we have an expression. I realize other people say the same thing. Uh, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute. Uh, it changes. Um, some people have have uh, related our temperatures to the lottery numbers where they go up, up and down all the time. So we'll have a day of um, uh, 90 degrees Fahrenheit and then another day of 40 degrees Fahrenheit the next day. And it'll go back and forth quite a lot uh, until it sort of stabilizes a little bit when summer hits um and even then it's it's a little bit crazy uh we we sometimes get snow into may uh it's a little rare but it has happened um and uh um you know but i love it i love i love weather i love to observe weather and you know i always talk about the day here um i feel like it's something I hope it feel it feels like a connection. It feels like you can understand a little bit what my environment's like when I'm talking to you. Um, it's a little bit overcast today, which I am you know I'm totally cool with. Obviously, I like all kinds of weather. Um, sunny days do make me happy, but so do rainstorms. 
Anyway, today we're going to talk about ego and what is ego and different ideas about ego and do you have a big ego, a little ego, all of these things. Uh, It's an important and popular topic and um, at least, you know, in in English and in the United States, that word uh, is used very loosely, right? So there is the, um, the, you know, Freudian definition of ego. There's the Jungian definition of ego. There people have spiritual ideas of what ego is. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what ego is. Is ego bad? Is it something that you need to get rid of. Excuse me. I'll cough there. Um, I don't edit these in general, so, you know, sometimes I cough. And then I have a little sip of coffee, and that helps me out a little bit. Um, So let's talk about ego, and and we're going to get into identity and spiritual identity and sort of uh, ideal identity, that that sort of thing. I'm going to talk a lot about all of these things because I think it becomes um, confusing when, if you're a spiritual seeker, it can become super confusing and you sort of wonder, what the heck are these people talking about? And I've heard the word ego, I've heard people say, the ego is the devil, and um, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to get rid of your ego and all of these things. So I'm going to give you my definition of ego, and it may or definitely may not correspond with what other people, how other people define ego, and mine's probably closest to the psychoanalyst Jung. Ego is simply your sense of identity, the sense of who you are, your sense of I, most of the time, um, as a separate being in the world. Okay, so when I say I went to the store, my concept of who that I is, is my ego, right? It's my, it's my, Self-concept is another sort of idea there that fits. And so um, it is, again, how I operate in the world as an individual. Where this becomes sticky from a spiritual perspective is that Um, people, well, there's a number of places and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about them, but where it becomes the stickiest from the spiritual perspective is the over identification with the ego. And that simply means that this is, you know, my idea of, uh, I'm a body and a mind and I'm moving through, uh, the world as a separate being. And that's all there is separates me from identifying as part of the whole, identifying as part of divinity, as part of the entire universe, as interconnected to everything. And that's where trouble kind of starts to creep in from a spiritual perspective, right? When we have um, 
when we don't think we are connected to everything, uh, we become less ethical, for example, right? We don't treat people and, and beings and the planet that we live on very well because we feel like we are separate from that. We feel like we're not affected by how we treat others. And this is where this is where karma comes in, right? This is when as the, the effects we create in the universe are the effects we are creating for ourselves because we are part and parcel and not separate from everything. But we have an ego. We come into the world sort of undifferentiated, right? As babies, we, you know, everything is sort of an extension of us. And then we learn, uh, you know, the ego is primarily learned. Our self, self-concept, self our idea of ourself is learned over time. We learn we have a name. And we identify with that name. When somebody says our name, we pay attention. We learn the adults bring us, you know, bring us food and change us and do all of these things as a baby. So they seem separate from us, even though they're perhaps responding to us crying or whatever. And so the idea of separation happens um, fairly early on in human development. I can't give you the, you know, the exact range, but it's, it's early when we're first born. And then we, um, you know, then we grow up and we, we add to our self-concept. Um, things happen to us. We think of ourselves and that make us think of ourselves in certain ways. We also have this ideal um, self-concept, and this is something uh, something I'm doing some work around right now, some exploratory work around right now in, in meditation and, and in doing shamanic journeying, is that we all, you know, if, if I were to ask you to describe yourself and, your, and, and how it relates to your values, right? I have this ideal self where I say, you know, I'm a good person. I am a I'm I'm an honest person. I am, you know, a good father. I'm a good this, I'm a good that. Um and so you know, we have this version of ourselves and our self-concept that is um kind, you know, that ha- has to do with our values and our ideals. And sometimes we don't always live up to those, right? Sometimes, um, sometimes I am not a hundred percent honest to be, to be a hundred percent honest with you. I am not always a hundred percent honest. Um, and that is something, you know, I don't in general, I do not tell lies or mislead people or steal things or do any of, you know, do any of that. But, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm at somebody's house and they serve me some food and I don't think it's the greatest thing I've, you know, I've ever eaten and they, uh, you know, ask me how it is, I'm going to say, wow, this is, you know, this is great. This is great. You've done a good job here. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to hurt their feelings. Right. And that's, you know, that's a choice and it's part of my value system, do I value honoring their feelings more than, you know, telling a white lie now and then? And some people would not. Some people would say, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like this. 
and you know feelings would get hurt and that is a value choice so these ideals that we have tie into our values and how do i feel about myself when i don't necessarily live up to my values like i you know one of my ideals is that i think i'm a good parent right i have a great relationship with my daughters and i like to think i'm a good parent um, anybody who's listening to this as a parent knows that sometimes you fail. Sometimes you make a choice and it turns out to be the wrong one. Um, and parenting is hard. Um, making choices. Some people just sort of give up and have set these like strict rules for no reason um, and don't put a lot of thought into it. I put a significant amount of thought into parenting and I have a great relationship with my daughters. And sometimes that means I make choices that I'm not happy about afterwards. And how does that affect me when I don't live up to my ideals? Right. Does that affect my self esteem? This is another component. Another component of ego is how high, highly I regard myself or how highly you regard yourself. And ultimately, when I'm speaking of I, I'm talking about ego here. So we know, and I've talked about this in earlier podcasts about divinity and all of these things that inside each of us, at the core of each of us, we have a mind and we have a body and we have a soul and we have a spirit and we have, um, you know, an astral body and an etheric body and a mental body and all of these different systems and levels and, you know, um, types of spiritual reality and um, consciousness, all of these things. And underneath all of it is um, this spark of pure divinity, this spark of the creator of the universe, whether you want to call that God or the universe or what have you. And that spark is, is, the piece that is the same as everything. Everything you see is made out of the same stuff from a spiritual perspective. And even material reality, it's all made out of the same stuff. There's different flavors of it. There's different frequencies of it. Um, but the substance of material reality, when you get down to it, um, it's, all, it's all energy and information. So we are at our core, this divinity, and we are divinity expressing itself as an individual. Um, and people have been trying to make sense of that forever. Like, why is that? Why, like, if, if I'm a divine being at my core, if I am, if I am the universe, essentially, if I'm a, a part of that, why, why even have an ego? Why even differentiate into um, into this human form for this incarnation? And, um, you know, uh, lots of people have answered that question. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a take or two on that. And I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. Um, who knows? Right. Who really knows? It, it, it just is. And, you know, I know there 
part of being human is wanting to understand everything and wanting to understand why. The answer to why. And sometimes it's really hard to parse out. And this one is, in, in particular, very hard to parse out. So one story is that the, you know, the formless creator of the universe um, just decided it is being playful, right? Is creating this whole universe to sort of um, experience play. And that might sound weird if you've been through tragedy and trauma as we all have. Well, this doesn't feel very playful, um, but you have to think of things on a universal scale or a multiversal scale, right? There's more than one universe, um, probably infinite universes for all I know. So that's one idea that this um, universal consciousness had the idea that it wanted to um, it wanted to uh, play, and I don't, you know I don't know I mean I don't know about ascribing human activities to universal consciousness. One of the things, one of the characteristics of human beings is that we tend to anthropomorphize everything, meaning we turn everything. We, we look at everything through the lens of being human, right? When we think about um, when we think about aliens, and this is probably this may sound like a tangent, but it's probably good in the realm of discussing ego, right? We talk about aliens from from outer space or wherever they happen to be from, could be in other dimensions or what have you let's say they let's say they exist i've never uh i've never met one but um let's say that you know that aliens exist well you know our scientists and all these people are like oh you know some of them are like well if you know if aliens exist we shouldn't contact them because they could just wipe us out or um you know come and take all our resources and all this stuff and they put a very human um, slant on things, right? They look at um, they look at us as if we, you know, they look at aliens as if they are us looking at other creatures that we've maybe wiped off the planet or that sort of thing. And you have to think if there is if there are um, advanced alien civilizations that grew up outside of the. Um, you know, grew up with completely different biology than us and, you know, came up without um, the same social structures as us, we have no idea how or what they think or what their motivations might be. We just don't. And look, you know, we can't, I think trying to understand what they might be like by using human beings as an example is, um, you know, completely wrong. <laughs> um, whatever, whatever they're like, it's not going to be like us. And it's, it's going to be quote unquote alien. So alien that we may have a difficult time understanding it because it'll be so outside of our experience that, um, we can't necessarily put ourselves in their shoes. If they wear shoes, who knows? Maybe they don't wear shoes. And so I do find it, um, I do find it really interesting uh, 
that uh, there's a lot of UFO disclosure coming out from the government right now. A lot of uh, video footage from uh, military planes and showing stuff right now. Um, it makes me feel like they're on the verge of releasing some information uh, that they've had for a long time. Who knows? Um, uh, I find it interesting that this stuff is starting to get leaked out. And, you know, people are like, yeah. It's funny because for so long there was a thought that, oh, um, you know, when aliens, you know, when the government reveals their aliens, people are going to freak out about it. People are going to panic. It's going to lead to people questioning their belief systems and all this and that. And um, the truth is it's barely made news. Like it's bare, like not that these are necessarily aliens, but they're, they're, um, you know, the government leaking all kinds of UFO footage, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just funny, like that people are like, yeah, you know, all right, we're cool. This is all right. We're not going to, you know, we're not even going to pay attention. We got other things going on. The pandemic's going on. Um, the political situation around the world is chaotic as always, that sort of thing. So the other thing, the other sticky part about, um, ego is that when we over-identify with it, again, we're saying this is all, you know, ego is all I am. My sense of self as being separate is all I am. Um, We tend to act in ways that aren't necessarily ethical because we do not care for other beings as we care for ourselves. We we tend to become self-centered, right? We pollute, we are cruel to other people, we may use harsh words. And I just think of the, um, I think of the, uh, you know, I think of the Buddhist, um, you call it the eight, is it the eightfold path? I may be speaking incorrectly, you'll have to pardon me if I do, but, um, you know, the eightfold, you know, the eight rules of Buddha. Buddhist, uh, you know, that Buddha spoke about, which are, you know, things like right speech, right? Well, why does that matter? Why does it matter if I speak in what is the right, you know, and what is right speech? But in general, I can, you know, I can hurt people with my words. And if I do that, I am seeing them as separate from myself, Right. So this is all about busting through this illusion that I am not connected, that I am not um, a part of other people, that we're not connected to the whole together in the same way, and that we don't have the same, sort of the oversoul, the Brahman in Sanskrit, right? That we're all swimming in the same, the same water. Um, and to use a crude metaphor, it's like I'm peeing in the pool and I'm expecting it only to affect you. We're all in the same pool, right? And so when I mess up the environment or I use cruel words to somebody or I hurt somebody or, um, you know, I'm cruel to animals or all of these things... I'm in the same pool. 
these, you know, I am a part of all of those. And so that reality, that um, sort of weakening of that ego wall tends to make us act in ethical ways, right? What the, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, is, you know, and, and if you come from a, a Christian background, you know, that, you know, that comes from Christianity, but the, the Buddha spoke the same, you know, almost identical words to that 500 years earlier. And there is um, spiritual wisdom there. It's not just an ethical guideline. There's spiritual wisdom because when you understand that you are one with everything and everyone, treating others badly means you're treating yourself badly. But the stronger you identify with your ego, the less you care about others. So an extreme example of that is sort of the narcissistic sociopath. And you can, you know, just look at re- very recent politics to see that sort of uh, that sort of thing, right? The narcissistic sociopath cares about no one but themselves, and they have an over-inflated sense of themselves. At least... At least in the United States, we use the expression, he's got a big ego, right? He's got a big ego. Um, I don't know how you measure ego, but what we mean is this person um, has an inflated sense of themselves, right? Sometimes that is used to... um, put down somebody who has a significant amount of self-confidence. And there's nothing wrong with genuine self-confidence, right? Um, So that's the other side of, that's the other side of identifying with the divinity is that there is a certain sense of self-confidence that comes from that. When I know that I'm connected to the entire universe, when I know that I have a divine self, and that I am divinity expressing itself through this human form, through my emotions, my mind, and my body. When I know that there is a certain self of confidence, sense of confidence, but it's not, um, it's not the kind of confidence that brags. It's not hubris. Um, it is not the kind of confidence that seeks out more confidence in the form of material things or accolades or praise. That's, that's fake confidence. Real confidence is I am... Uh, real confidence manifests itself, manifests itself as becoming less, less attached and less averse, right? Less attached to things... Right, I'm. I don't care about things anymore, um, unless averse. I'm not pushing away things that I that I don't desire. So, attachments are that I'm, I'm clinging to the things that I desire, and aversions are I'm pushing away the things that I don't desire. So, spiritual self confidence 
happens when, um, you know, I stop, I identify less and less with my ego self. <clears throat> it doesn't mean the ego self goes away. It just means I don't think that's that's all I am. And and so attachments and aversions start to dissipate. And again, this is spoken about by um, Buddha, and it's spoken about in other, uh, certainly other forms of spirituality. Sometimes it's really hidden in there. Sometimes you have to dig for for that, um, you know, in other spiritual teachings, uh, because there's cultural background to the teachings. There's you know there's stuff going on um, there. Uh, and people have to be taught in certain certain ways. I'm I'm speaking very. I think I'm hoping that I'm speaking very plainly about this stuff, um, because for me to for me to grasp this stuff, um, I've got to define it for myself in the simplest of terms, and I, I try to do that for um, this this podcast especially. Right. Um, you know, if you're a regular listener, uh, one of the things I do is, you know, if I throw a term out there like ego, is I will always sort of define it so that we're so that you understand what I mean when I'm saying stuff. Not that I'm trying to define, you know, be the source of truth of you know this is what this word means, just so that you, you know, I have to put these terms in a simple form so that we understand each other. So when I when I when I talk about ego and you're hearing me talk about it that you know what I mean when I talk about it. So there's not, you know, I'm hopefully not creating more confusion. Um that is that's just my goal is to speak very clearly. So I tend to take these things and put them into simpler terms so that I can understand them. I'm not um, you know, I study lots of things, but I wouldn't consider myself a religious scholar per se. But I certainly look at lots of other forms of spirituality. I don't read Sanskrit. I don't read Pali. I don't read Latin, even though I took four years of Latin in high school. Um, I don't remember much of it. Um, I hate to say that, but that's that's true. Um, and so... You know, I'm often relying on translations of stuff and lots of different sources and analyses by people smarter than I am. And when I do that, I'm, you know, and then I try to take things and break them down into my own terms. And, you know, this is a thing that I think um, most people would benefit from, right? Um, when you're reading scripture or you're reading, and, and that may be sacrilegious for you, for me to suggest that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you that you break things down into terms that you can understand. Um, I, I don't know. I, hopefully not. Hopefully not. And I don't really, um, you know, I'm not trying to change anybody's belief system or religion or, or anything like that. Um, that's not the goal here. Um you know my own my own viewpoints are my own viewpoints my opinions are my opinions um you know and you may certainly disagree about my definitions of things and um and i'm okay with that because again like that's hopefully <laughs> 
hopefully it's part of me loosening the grip that ego has on me and identifying less and less with that sense of self. So the way that ego can come through is um, we see that in these ideological wars, right? The religious wars, people fighting it out. I mean, that's going on in the world right now. People fighting over religious differences, which, you know, ultimately, when we see when we see conflict like um, Israel and Palestine that's going on right now, you know, it's about all kinds of things. It's about land and water rights and history and the ability for people to self-govern and all of these things. Underneath it all, um, there, of course, of course, in that part of the world, there's a religious component to the warfare, right? There is this sense of, um, I deserve this because I am, you know, from the people that God has denoted this land belongs to. There is that justification happen on on both sides of that conflict. Um, I am right because I, you know, I am the chosen one. We are the chosen people. God himself said this, this piece of land belongs to me. Um, and I'm not going to speak about the truth or falsehood of that, but there is, um, to me, there is less God in that conflict than ego, right? There is, when ego acts up, it is very defensive. There's this strong identification of, and there's this othering that happens. Those people over there are others. Okay, they don't believe the same things I do. So they are others, and therefore inferior, right? So it happens for a lot of people, um, and this is, I see this little drama playing out everywhere, right? So we see this um, with racism, with nationalism, with all kinds of bigotry, um, all kinds of hatred stems out of this othering, and what's going on there frequently is that um, people have, so we have our individual identity and then we frequently tie that to a group identity, right? So in order to have some self-esteem, I'm going to relegate some of my identity. So I am, you know, I'm a citizen of the United States. We call ourselves Americans, even though I know there are other Americas, right? There's North America, South America, Central America. Um, you know, in the United States, we refer to ourselves as Americans, which is it, it's self-separating, saying that, you know, other people, people from other countries are not Americans, but, you know, we don't have, uh, I know in other languages it exists to say, you know, these are United Statesers, um, essentially, but we don't have that phrase. And so 
you know, people strongly identify with that. And people want to say whatever country they're from is number one. America is number one or number, you know, wherever you're from is number one. We're the best at something. We take pride in who we are and, you know, that sort of thing. A lot of religious spiritual writings about the dangers of pride. Right. Um, And again, pride isn't necessarily like, hey, I'm proud, you know, I'm proud of my kids. They did, you know, did a great job in school this year. Um, it's not necessarily what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, um, again, building up this ego, building up this esteem from I'm associated with this country, and so people from other countries are inferior to me, or other countries are inferior to me. What? A load. <laughs> I hate to tell you, it's a load of crap, and I don't care where you're from, or what your religion is, or what your ethnicity is, or whatever. It's all crap. All of it. It is all just more and more separation, and the more you tie your sense of self-worth to some group identity, whether that be religious or ethnic or, um, you know, national or you tie your identity to a sports team. Look at these, you know, all over the world, there are riots after sports games, whether your team wins or loses. People are, you know, burning cars in the street and rioting. What's that all about? Well, what that's about is people have given up, given up their self-esteem, and this is pride. This is the danger of pride, right? Pride in where it doesn't belong, especially in some sort of group identity, some sort of nationalistic or ethnic or sexual identity, right? We have to show dominance in a violent way. Well, that's, you know, that's a perversion of the divine masculine, right? It's this violent impulse. I'm going to have power over somebody else. And that is a major cause of the ills in the world. A major cause. Right? Ethnic cleansing. Um, genocide, pretty much the same thing. You know, you know, riots over sports games, um, the violence we saw in the capital in the United States in, you know, earlier in the year where people broke, you know, people identified with a single politician Again, giving up their individuality to act as part of a mob, right? So they have ego, but part of that ego is over-identified with a group enough to do things they probably normally wouldn't do when you look at some of them. 
We look at some of the people who are arrested for the violence in the capital of the United States. Um, they're like, oh, I don't, you know, that person's, you know, a local business owner and has never been violent, never been arrested in their lives. And some of them are, are were definitely rabble rousers who, who have, you know, uh, belong to violent extremist groups. And those people, I believe, were manipulating the mob and so were the politicians who were, who were spurring them on. Um, because a mob, a mob are people who have, in an unhealthy way, given up a lot of their individual identity and just sort of going along for the ride. And mobs are capable of almost anything, any level of violence. Um, you know, mobs are, mobs are really dangerous in that way. They have an ego of their own, so to speak. And a lot of people who have been arrested for that violence are like, I don't know, I just got caught up. Right, that's what happens. That's what happens when you don't, um, you know, you have this ego, but a big portion of it is identified with, in, in, the, in a wrong way, with a mob or a group or, you know, a nationality or an ethnicity. You know, when it when when it's over identified with ethnicity, you get hate groups. When it's over identified with, um, you know, sports teams, we get riots after sports events. Happens all over the world. It's crazy to me. So, what's what then is healthy is you know this sense of okay, I have this understanding. I have an ego. I have this sense of self as a separate thing. But again, it's like I have a body, but I am not the body. I have a mind, but I am not the mind. I have an ego, but I am not the ego. I am this ultimately this divine spark that is part of everything. And everything that I do um, affects me because I am interconnected, right? I'm peeing in the pool. And if I assume that I'm that only other people are affected by me peeing in the pool, that's a pretty wrong assumption. So the goal then is, or not the goal, but you know, one of the ways through this, one of the ways of spiritual development, is to start to disidentify with that which you are not, right? I, I am not the ego. I have the ego. This is not to say that you delude yourself into pretending that you do not have an ego. That is a different thing. I have an ego. If I did not, I would not be able to speak to you from a sense of who I am as an individual. I just don't think that my ego is underneath it all who I am. I think it's a thing that I have, right? And the universe has many, many egos. Billions, maybe trillions, who knows, of egos. 
and they're all, you know, through it all, they're all interconnected. It's sort of like a really good metaphor. I hope it's a good metaphor to communicate this is that um, if you look at mushrooms growing in the forest, right? You see these mushrooms popping up from the soil. And you look at, they look like individual mushrooms. But underneath the soil is this huge network of mycelium, right? And the mushrooms that are popping up, you know, let's say a hundred mushrooms pop up in, in, you know, a spot in the forest floor, right? And they all look like individual beings, and they could be regarded as such. And if, you know, say they're edible and you pick each one, then they're individualized mushrooms. But when they're growing, underneath all of that is one network of mycelium. If you don't know what mycelium is, it's like um, the equivalent of roots for mushrooms, like the roots of trees grow everywhere. But when, you know, mushrooms grow, the mo- the most of what you see above ground is not the majority of what a mushroom is. Mushrooms are a fungus and they grow on substrate, which could be all kinds of things. But, you know, some grow in soil and have these huge, there are, you know, the largest living being on earth that we know of is a patch of mycelium that's miles wide, right? So there's a living, one living being that's, you know, miles and miles wide. And um, so this is a little bit what what ego is like, right? So, you know, the, the oversoul, the Brahman, as you were, maybe we think of that as the mycelium. Um, so it, it's everything there is and everything interconnected and... Um, you know, under that's underneath everything, and then we pop up. Our little ego pops up. A little, you know, our body pops up, pops into existence, and you know, we appear as individuals, individual mushrooms. But underneath it all, we're all interconnected. Everything we do ripples out, like dropping a stone in a pond that ripples go everywhere. So I started this by talking about why I like to do these in the mornings and why I'm a morning person is that I don't experience a lot of the ripples of the people who are are around me and because they're asleep. You know, they're primarily asleep when I, not everybody, but but more people are. So even on an energetic level, you know, the thoughts we put out into the world, the words we put out into the world um, affect everything around us, and that includes us, right? We often don't include ourselves in things like when we do exercises on compassion. You know, when we give love to others, we don't always give love to ourselves. Um, seems kind of weird, but uh, frequently when I see clients either from, you know, doing a shamanic healing session with somebody or, um, you know, coaching or mentoring, people have these, frequently have these horrible inner dialogues and we say things to ourselves that we would not accept from a stranger 
or someone we loved speaking to us and things that we would never say to someone that we loved, right? So that's really negative. That's, you know, negative self-talk is about negative self-esteem, um, you know, underneath it all. That real level of, you know, and, and some people overcompensate for that stuff, right? Some people overcompensate for negative self-esteem by, you know, buying flashy clothes or a flashy car or, you know, they give this outward appearance of being more than they are or they brag a lot or what have you. Underneath that is a real sense of I'm broken, I'm unworthy, um, you know, which is sad to me because the ultimate truth is Again, we're that mycelium under the mushrooms. We're just we're the mushrooms popping up, but underneath it all, we are we are the universe. Underneath it all, we are everything there is. Um, we're no less a part of the universe than than anybody or anything else. We're no less a part of the universe than the sun. Right. So, with that, I'm going to wrap up. I hope that you uh, enjoy this. I hope that you'll subscribe in whatever, using whatever um, podcasting listening channel you use, whether that's, you know, Spotify or iTunes or something else. I hope you'll subscribe. I hope you'll visit my website. I hope you'll um, interact, you know, send me, send me messages if there are topics you're interested in or guests you'd like me to talk to. Because I do this, um, I do this for you, and um, I love that I have listeners all over the world, and um, it it helps give me that greater sense of connection, right? That sense of connection to everything there is and to the whole universe. With that, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and I will talk to you real soon. been listening to speaking spirit with your host john moore for more info or to contact john go to mainshaman.com that's m-a-i-n-e-s-h-a-m-a-n.com